Welcome to Searchlight, a survey through Scripture with Pastor John Corson. It is our desire to bring you a systematic study of the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, book by book. We are nearing the end of our study of the book of Joshua. This has been a wonderful study as we have learned much about the Spirit-filled Christian life. Today we are beginning our final verse-by-verse study of the book, which is in chapters 23 and 24. It will take us three broadcast days to go through these last two chapters. These chapters are an important look back to confirm what God has done for the people of Israel. As we look back and see what God has done, we get encouragement for what lies ahead. Let's now join Pastor John and be encouraged by Joshua. Book of Joshua tonight, chapter 23. And it came to pass a long time after that the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. And Joshua called for all Israel, that is, their elders. Notice the word and is in italics, which means it's added by the translators, but it's not there in the original texts. This is the calling of the elders of Israel, the leaders. So he called for all Israel, that is, their elders, and their heads, judges, and officers, and said, I am old and stricken in age. And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you or on your behalf. For the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. Many years have passed since Joshua and the people of Israel crossed over the Jordan River and entered into the land of destiny. It took them seven years, as we have seen, to fight off the enemies that were inhabiting the land of Canaan at that time. After seven years of armed conflict, they conquered the land. And then there was 13 years after that, in which the land was divvied up to the various tribes, and the various tribes began to take their territory and drive out or tackle, if you would, the remnants of the enemies of Israel that were holed up or hiding away in the hills and there in the valleys. But the land was conquered. The land, we are told here, had been given rest for a long time. And now Joshua gathers together the leaders here in chapter 23, that is the elders and the judges and the leaders of the nation, 
to give a final word of exhortation to them. In chapter 24, he'll call for the entire congregation. So first he meets with the leaders, and then he talks to the congregation in its entirety. He's old. He's 110 years of age at this time. So when he says, I am old and stricken in age, he was old and stricken in age. You think you feel old today. Hey, he was 110 years of age, but he's still going strong. He's still going on with encouragements and exhortations, with instructions and inspirations. I like this How many of you tonight are 110 or older? Would you raise your hand? (laughs) Hands go up all over. (laughs) Joshua was 110 years of age, still fully engaged, radically involved in serving the Lord. What an example. What a model. That's the way it ought to be. You know, it's interesting when... Cato, the Greek scholar, began to first learn Greek and write commentaries on the Greek language. That masterly scholar Cato didn't begin to learn Greek until he was 81. Now, if you've studied Greek, or perhaps Latin, it is not an easy language. And I studied Greek in college, I had three or four years of Greek. And uh, man, it was tough. And I was 18, 19, and 20 at the time. And yet this guy, Cato, this scholar, he didn't even begin tackling the Greek language until he was 81 years of age. That amazes me. And then we have Tennyson, the poet, who wrote Crossing at the Bar, one of his most epic works He wrote that at the age of of 83. So many of the great works of art, both in poetry and in painting, actually, were done by people in their 80s and 90s, and even older than that. Ludovico wrote his classic memoirs, memoirs, actually, He wrote his memoirs and memoirs. Wrote them both. (laughs) Amazing guy. Did them both. When he was a hundred, listen, a hundred and fifteen years of age. And that work goes down as a classic that is still read and looked at to this day. A hundred and fifteen. Now you have authors and scholars and poets and painters But to me, I think the classic example for you, for me, for us, of a guy that just continued on as the years passed by was a man whose name most of you recognize, Jonathan Wesley. John Wesley, the circuit-riding preacher who traveled 250,000 miles on horseback, going from town to town, village to village, Preaching the gospel. He wrote 400 books. Preached 40,000 messages. Traveled 
250,000 miles and became a self-taught scholar in 10 different languages. That amazes me. But if you've looked at his journals, and many of you have read excerpts or been exposed to somewhere along the line, the journals of John Wesley, it's amazing to read some of his entries because when he got to be the age of 81, he was very angry, and he wrote this in his journal, because he could only read for 15 hours at one sitting without his eyes starting to bother him. Can you imagine that? I mean, after 15 minutes, most of us are going, you know, man, 15 hours at one sitting. And he was writing in his journal, I'm angry that I can only do 15 hours and then my eyes just give out. At the age of 86, he wrote in his journal that he was upset because he had to cut back to two sermons a day. Now, those aren't canned wraps. Those were fresh works. And at 86, he was still doing two a day. Uh, And yet he was upset that that's all he could do. And then when he was 88, he complained in his journal that he had a tendency to find himself occasionally sleeping in till 5.30 in the morning. (laughs) And it bothered him. (laughs) He just was upset with himself, you know. I'm sleeping in till... 5.30 in the morning. Amazing. This guy, John Wesley, he had a passion in his heart because there was a calling on his life. To do what? To share the good news. To tell people about Jesus Christ. To see folks make it to heaven. To watch people do better in their walk with him. And it burned in his soul like fire. And he kept on going and going and going in a way that blows my mind. Joshua is that kind of guy. 110 still going strong. Moses, you know, he didn't even start his public ministry until he was 80. And yet today we have this tendency to say, well, you know, I'm 36 now and I guess I'm just about through. You know, or I'm 41 and there's not much more left for me to do. Better start thinking about wrapping it up and winding down and kicking back. Be careful of that mentality. I believe God wants you to finish the race with a burst of energy, breaking the tape. I believe that God wants to use me and use you until the day that he calls us home. I believe there's things for you to do tonight, no matter how old you are, no matter how late of a start you've had, The scriptures indicate over and over that God has a plan, a grand plan for men and for women who are in the later years, the winter seasons. The Minnesota Medical Association a few years ago, some years ago, came out with an interesting article that talked about aging. And this article essentially stated That a person can be old when they're 20, or they can be young when they're 80. And people age. Sometimes people that are 50 look like they're 90 and act like they're 140. You know, aging is an interesting thing. And the Minnesota Medical Association 
said you can be old when you're 20 or you can be young when you're 80, but you're genuinely old at any age if, and then it listed six things that I want to run by you real quick. You're genuinely old if, first of all, you feel old. When you wake up, when I go through a day and say, oh boy, I better go see the doctor, I need some tonic or whatever, I I think that that can have an effect on me, an effect on you, an effect on us, quite frankly. And this report, a serious medical report, said you are old genuinely if, number one, you feel old. Number two, if you feel you have learned enough. Well, I know enough. Why should I bother, you know, learning that or going there? I've learned enough. I've been through Joshua before. 20 years ago, I know it, you see. So if you feel old, if you feel you have learned enough, number three, if you say, I'm too old to do that, then you're genuinely old, whether you're 20 or 80 or whatever your age might be. Or, number four, if tomorrow holds no promise, That is, if you look at tomorrow and say, "Ah, I'm dreading it. Or if you take no interest in the activities of youth. When you're no longer interested in kids or young people, it's an indication, according to these guys, that you're genuinely old, no matter what your age might be. Number six, if you'd rather talk than listen. Uh Uh-oh. Ouch. Number seven, if you long for the good old days, feeling that those were better days. And I found that interesting that that medical group there in Minnesota said these are characteristics of what happens psychologically. No matter what age you are chronologically, you're getting old. If you feel like you've learned enough, if you feel like you're old, if you no longer are interested in youth, if tomorrow holds no promise, if you say, I'm too old to do that, If you long for the good old days. Interesting. Joshua wasn't that way. To the very end, he is ministering, he is teaching, he is exhorting, he is inspiring. And I love that about Joshua. I'm impressed with him. I really, truly am. The more I study his life, the more I appreciate this man and look forward to seeing him in heaven. So he says, I'm old. It's true, I'm 110. But I've got things for you to think through. He calls these leaders together. I've got things for you to be aware of. He says, you have seen, verse 3, all that the Lord your God hath done for you. It is the Lord your God that fought on behalf of you. When people get old, there can be this tendency to want applause or approval, credit or recognition. That can be a tendency, a danger of growing older. Well, where's my gold watch? See? Where's my dinner that would honor me and reflect on all the great things I've done or accomplished in my 21 years of life or whatever it is? There can be this tendency as we get older to say, why don't people recognize how much I've done or how great I am? In China, you know, they don't give gold watches in China when their people retire. The Communist Party will not give watches away to their officials that retire. They're much more practical, much more pragmatic. When a person in China retires from the Communist Party bureaucracy, 
The Communist Party gives to them not a gold watch, but a wooden casket. Very practical. I mean, you know, they give a casket to the person. That's your, that's your retirement gift, you see. <laughs> anyway, a lot of times we say, well, where's my retirement party and where's my acknowledgement and where's my appreciation? Again, Joshua is bigger than that. A man that I hope that God would grace me to become as the years go on. He says, look, you know what's happened, and it's been the Lord who has given you the victory, not me, Joshua said. It's not my military strategy or my great abilities or my ingenuity. It's not of that at all. It's none of that at all. It is strictly this. He says, you have seen all that the Lord your God, verse 3, hath done. It's the Lord that fought for you. What a wonderful thing, because this Joshua, of course, is a picture of our Joshua, who? Jesus, exactly. Remember what Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify who? Your father. And the amazing thing about our Joshua, Jesus, is whenever he did a miracle, every time he did something marvelous and miraculous, without exception... It says the people saw what he did and they glorified God in heaven. He was able to minister in such a way that what he did, as spectacular as it might be, the attention and the honor and the glory was going to the Father. And that's what this Joshua is picturing. He says, look, what's happened? The blessings that have come your way, it's because, not me, Joshua would say, but because of Your father, the Lord that fought for you and has done this on behalf of you. And then he goes on to say in verse 4, in this addressing of the leaders, he says, Behold, I have divided unto you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off even to the great sea westward, that is the Mediterranean Sea. And the Lord your God, he shall expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. And ye shall possess their land as the Lord your God hath promised you. I like verse 5. Joshua says, consider what the Lord has done and know there's still more he's going to do. He shall expel, verse 5, that is the remaining Peoples, the enemies that are hiding away, that are still holding on to various little territorial regions. The armies have been defeated, but there's still pockets of resistance. But here, Joshua says, the Lord is going to expel, but notice verse 5 goes on to say, you're to possess. I have this underlined, he shall expel, and I also have underlined, and you shall possess. That's the key. God will do his part, but you've got to do your part. He shall expel, but you got to possess. Like in this area of, of God's work and our work, the cooperation, the partnering that we've talked about in the area, because we've been addressing it in this book of Joshua, the spirit-filled life. And example is speaking in tongues. Been getting some questions of late on that once again. And people say, well, I'm open and I've been waiting. And I say, wait a minute, he shall do his part, but you've got to do your part. 
It says in the book of Acts that they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They spoke as the Spirit gave promptings. That's the key. They had to speak. They were prompted, but then they had to do their part and speak as the Spirit gave them promptings. In spiritual life, if a person doesn't understand that, they'll never move in to all of the land that God has for him or for her or for them. You can sit there hour after hour, day after day, and say, well, I'm open to speaking in tongues if God wants to somehow move my tongue. It won't work that way. Any more than I would say, well, I'm open to praying in English if he wants to make me. It's not going to happen. When I begin to pray in English, the Lord then begins to meet me and inspire and stir and lead. Paul says, I will pray with understanding and I will pray with the Spirit also, you see. In this area of spiritual life, God will do, but you have to cooperate too. And that's what Joshua is saying. He shall expel, but you shall possess. God will do his part, but you've got to do your part. And that's true in any arena or any aspect of spiritual life. How much more God wants to do for me and with me and through me and in me. But I've got to do my part, you see. I can't just sit passively. And that's what Joshua is saying. God's going to expel them, but you've got to possess then that territory. Be therefore, verse 6, very courageous to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that you turn not aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left, that you come not among these nations, the heathens, these that remain among you, neither make mention of their name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves to them, But cleave, verse 8, to the Lord your God, as you have done this day. For the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong. But as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you, verse 10, shall chase a thousand. I like that. That's a great scripture. God's with you, so you... And God, just the two of you, can chase a thousand of the enemy. You and God are a majority, is what Joshua is saying. The Lord your God, verse 10 goes on to say, He it is that fights for you as he's promised you. So take good heed, therefore, unto yourselves, that you love the Lord your God. Else, if you do in any wise go back, And cleave to the remnant of these nations, even these that remain among you, and make marriages with them, and go in unto them, and they to you know for a certainty, verse 13, that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you. good warning for Israel and for us. God did mighty things for Israel, just as he has done mighty things for us. 
If we are wise, we will heed this exhortation of Joshua and continue to focus upon the Lord and not get caught up in the false gods of this world. They are a snare and a trap. We'll continue to look at this exhortation and encouragement of Joshua on our next program. Please join us then. This teaching is also available on the Searchlight website at johncorson.com. You will also find on the website Pastor John's books and other Bible study resources. Again, the address of the website is johncorson.com. That's J-O-N-C-O-U-R-S-O-N.com. We would like to remind you that on the Searchlight website, you can find Pastor John's teachings through the entire Bible. You can listen to the audio or watch the video of any of these teachings from the website at any time for no charge. The Searchlight website address is johncorson.com. Searchlight is a listener-supported ministry. We appreciate your prayers and support. May the Lord richly bless you.